this message is from Living Rock Church, and we trust you'll be really equipped, envisioned, and encouraged as you listen today. Morning. Thank you very much. I've I got to get these out of the way. I've got some slides that I, um, that I found. Katie, if you've got... Uh, these, these are some of the cards... Mother's Day cards that I, I kind of came across. Mother, noun, a person with the ability to, te- to detect a lie, hear the smallest noises, and see out of the back of their head. <laughs> and I was absolutely convinced that my mother was an owl when I was a child because she had 360-degree vision, that woman. And here we go. This, this is very true. Motherhood Incorporated Human Resources. One vacation day a year, that's all I get. We call it Mother's Day, but technically you still have to work. <laughs> And uh, that was very true in our house this morning. We've got a tortoise called Olivia who likes to wander. Oh. There you go. Give it to your mother. She'll know what to do with it. Before we go to the last one, the, the, the picture this morning of me um, as I was going to go out to the study just to prepare a bit more this morning was of Sarah cleaning Olivia's um, droppings off the, the, the sitting room carpet because the tortoise had wandered in. And uh, I thought, happy Mother's Day, sir. Yeah. <laughs> I'm off. <laughs> and then lastly, by the time a woman realizes her mother was right, she has a daughter who thinks she's wrong. <laughs> but mothers are, uh, are amazing. And it's right that we honor mothers. And the Bible and God is very keen that we honor our mothers. And uh, it's a command. <laughs> it's not even a suggestion. It's part of the Ten Commandments to honor your father and your mother. And, uh, you know, mothers are incredible. They they have the ability to communicate from mild mild irritation to kind of borderline rage with just the level of an eyebrow, where that happens to be. Just that one up is enough to stop any child in their tracks. She can make anything happen by the count of three. And she can live off a child's scraps for the first five years of their life. I've never... It's just leftovers from, other, from the kids just kind of scraped onto a plate. But it's good that we honour our mothers. And um, I was thinking this morning about the, the things that we say as parents that our parents said to us. And at the time, you kind of... You're like, oh. And then 20, 30 years down the line, those same words are coming out of your mouth. It's like... There are sayings that have echoed throughout history, reverberating generation after generation. And uh, I, I just wanted to get, uh, do a little demonstration with some... Can I have your phone? Is it on? Um, mm-hmm. Am I able to call you? Okay. Yeah? Yep. So, I'll just try this. This is quite cool. Bear with me. Calling David Lyon Mobile. You know, hang on, let's try that again. That wasn't meant to happen. Let's try again. Got a missed call. It's not ringing. Have you, have you blocked me? Oh, here we go. All right. Hello. This is your mother. My advice is echoing through time. That was it. That's all I wanted to do. 
Anyway, the point is, we create echoes. And we are echoes. So things like, were you born in a barn? I say that. You look like you've been pulled through a hedge background, backwards. That's come through my mouth. And that's, my, when, when we were children and we couldn't remember what to say next, the, the response of my mother was, well, it can't have been that important, can it? <laughs> and now I've said it myself. The classic two words, we'll see. Oh. <laughs> Hope deferred and we'll see makes the heart sick. But the words that they've said have echoed. I've heard the echoes of what my parents said down the years out of my mouth. And I know that I'll hear them again as a grandparent through the mouths of my children to theirs. And I've also heard the echo of what I've said back to me from my own children. This, we create an echo. Mothers, you're creating an echo. You're reflecting an echo and you're creating an echo. And one of the things that we're going to give out this morning are seeds. Because I want to give you something nice to sow into the garden and get some um, Californian poppies growing or sunflowers, whatever you might get. But in everything that a mother does, she sows into her children something that will reap a harvest. You'll speak and it will echo back to you, either to you or to your children or their children after them. And so the, the role of a mother is so key, isn't it? It's so important. It's right that we honor it. You know, we see Jesus honoring his mother Jesus came to fulfill the law, but that's not the only reason that he honoured his mother. He honoured his mother because it's the right thing to do. Because he loved his mother. So that he could, even though he had a greater understanding than she did at the wedding in Cana, when she says, do something about it, he goes and does something about it. Changes the water to wine. Jesus could say, Mother, you have no idea about the eternal consequences and what I'm being called to do. I've had revelation from the Heavenly Father, and so no, I'm not going to do it. But he doesn't, he honours his mother and he goes and he produces and it it becomes his first miracle. And even on the cross in ultimate pain and distress, more than any human being has ever suffered, ever, he's there looking out for his mother. With his best friend John standing next to her and he makes sure that they're both cared for as they stand at the foot of the cross and witness a man in unbearable pain. His heart is to honour his mother. Mothers are fantastic, and the word is full of um, fantastic mums and and powerful mums. Women who are desperate to have children. It's it's interesting that um, Abraham gets a promise from God about his descendants being the the, the number of stars in the sky or sand on the seashore, and yet Sarah, his wife, won't conceive. And they cry out to God for a child, and finally they gain. They they laugh. They get Isaac, the, the son of promise. And then Isaac marries Rebecca, and guess what? Rebecca cannot conceive. And so Isaac cries out to God, and Rebecca, God blesses him with a double whammy. She gives birth to twins. And then we have Jacob, one of the twins, marries Leah and Rachel, but Rachel, the one that he really loves, she can't conceive. Until eventually she gives birth to Joseph and Benjamin. You know, sometimes the promises of God have to be fought for. Abraham was promised you will be fruitful. That means automatically, oh, Sarah should conceive as soon as he looks at her. He had to fight for it. They had to apply faith to the word of God. And you think, well, it's going to be easy for Isaac now because Abraham and Sarah, they've kind of broken through. No, they also needed to apply their faith to the promises of God. And then again, for Jacob and Rachel, and I believe part of the reason why that... Those, those ladies conceived miraculously was because the faith was passed down 
from one generation. There was an echo of faith that passed down through those families. The promises of God. We're going to hold on to them. Do you remember your grandfather, Abraham? He and and your grandmother, Sarah, they couldn't conceive. We can do this. We just need to trust God as they did. And they see the echo of, of the faith that moves through their family and through their lives, through their generation and beyond. We see stories of Hannah crying out to God for a child and and Eli the priest cheering her and her giving birth to Samuel, a real prominent man in the history of of the Jews. Elizabeth, um, who is uh, Mary's cousin, late to conceive, but finally God blesses her with a son, John. We see mothers physically save their children from death and disaster. We've got Jochebed, the mother of, of Moses, literally saves him. Rahab and her faith saves her family. And her children. Bathsheba looks out for Solomon and makes sure that he doesn't get killed when David dies but actually is able to rise to prominence as a king. They literally saved their children from death. But I want to look at the emphasis of five mothers and the influence that they had on their children this morning. And and for us to understand how significant the role of a mother is in investing into the lives of their children. And to say this, their children were changers of generations and nations. What they invested into their child was more than an individual. It impacted a nation. It impacted history. It's no small thing to be a mum. And Jochebed, that well-known Bible character, one of the you know who's your favourite Bible character? You get asked all the time, don't you? You know, Life Group, Icebreaker. Who's your favourite? No, okay. <laughs> Mine is Amram, personally, and I'm an Amram man. Uh, husband of Jochebed, he obviously chose well father of Moses. But if you turn in your Bibles to Exodus 2, and I'll stop rambling about that. And I just want to read this story of of Jochebed. Exodus 2. It's going to read the first 15 verses from the Living Translation. So at this point, um, Israel are enslaved in Egypt. They've gone there Uh, blessed and blessing the nation through Joseph and his family and Jacob, Joseph's dad and their family going in. A number of years have passed. They've grown in number in the land and the Pharaohs have forgotten what God has done uh, in the past through these people and they've begun to enslave the the Jews that live in the land of Egypt. And and then Pharaoh commands that all the, the newborn boys are slaughtered, are killed. It's horrific. It's a terrible, dark time. And it says this, About this time a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby. I don't think any mother has a baby and doesn't think that they're a special baby. And kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching what would happen to him. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess should I, go and find, uh, sorry, should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? She asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. 
Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. Many years later, when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and saw how hard they were forced to work. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. After looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. The next day, when Moses went out to visit his people again, he saw two Hebrew men fighting. Why are you beating up your friend, Moses said to the one who had started the fight. The man replied, who appointed you to be our prince and judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? And Moses was afraid, thinking, everyone knows what I did. And sure enough, Pharaoh heard what had happened, and he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. So we've got this story of the first, effectively the first 40 years of Moses' life, described for us in 15 verses. And that happens a lot in the Bible. You know, we, we, we read through a couple of verses, and, and, and years, if not decades, have passed, and we don't consider what happens in, those t- in that time that, that we just kind of scan over. A lot happened in the life of Moses during that 40 years from his birth and con- uh, from his concealing, his discovery to being brought into, the, uh, into the, the palace, if you like, of Pharaoh and being cared for by Pharaoh's daughter. And I find it incredible that um, in, in Hebrews 11 we read about the heroes of faith. And before Moses is mentioned, his parents are mentioned beforehand. Yeah. So in Hebrews 11, it describes Moses' parents, and it says that by faith they hid him for three months, as we've just read. And then they, um, where is it, in in Hebrews 11, verse 23, Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the the king's command. They showed faith. They were parents that were faithful in caring for the child. Jochebed was willing to risk her life for her son to disobey the king's command because she put faith in God. And as soon as she put Moses in that basket to the mercy of the river Nile, that was an act of faith. There was something, and as parents, it's hard, isn't it, to, to allow your children to go that little bit. And so often, time and time again, particularly, I believe, for mothers, there's that trusting God that that next step of of letting your child go a little bit further into independence. Now, I'm not saying as three months you should be independent and set off down a river, you know, (laughs) down to the River Trent, off you go, see what happens. But she trusted God. She had faith in what God was able to do. And then we find that Moses is adopted after she has an opportunity to care for him. And she's even paid for it. God rewards our faith. But she cares for him. And it doesn't say how old he was when he was given back to Pharaoh's daughter. But this little boy Moses, in, in the word Hebrew, the word means drawn out. Or if he was born today, he would be called Drew. So he was drawn out of the river. But it's the same word. And in the, word, in the Egyptian word, it means begotten. And Moses would be the one who would draw God's people out of slavery. It was a prophetic statement. And he was a type of Christ, the begotten son. Who would draw us out of ultimate slavery. He's a picture and a shadow of Jesus. The word is full of these pictures and shadows and types of Jesus. Even though this is 1500 years before Jesus was even conceived. 
And Moses is there and he's brought up by his mum for a period of time. And then he spends a significant amount of time, maybe from eight, seven, six years old, he lives in an Egyptian household. In an Egyptian palace, he attends Egyptian schools, he goes to Egyptian university, he's trained and educated as an Egyptian, he's taught Egyptian culture, he will have known all the Egyptian gods, he would have known everything about what Egypt had to offer, his riches, its wisdom, its education, but when we find Moses and where his identity lies and where his destiny is, it's not in Egypt at all. There was something that was invested in him at those young years by his mother that made him sure of his identity and his destiny. That's how significant the role of a mum is. All that education couldn't train out of him the knowledge, I'm a Hebrew. I'm a child of God. I have a destiny and a purpose to serve God in my generation. In Hebrews 11 it says, he considered the treasures and the riches of, of, of Egypt and he put it aside and suffered with God's people. He knew who he was. In Acts 7, when Stephen stands up to preach, he says that Moses expected the people to hear um, and, and rally around him, defending them, and him leading them out of Egypt there at 40 years old. And he was shocked when his response was, well, you're going to kill me as well, are you? And so he runs and he flees. It's another 40 years before he gets to fulfill that part of his destiny that he believed was going to happen then. But the fact is, his mum built something into him. He knew his identity. He knew what his destiny was. He knew who he was in in, in God. And he wouldn't let any other influence affect him. There are so many influences that are trying to crowd into our children's lives. So many voices. So many views. Mums, you can invest the richness of an identity and a destiny that will leave our children unshaken, full of faith, and will lead in our nation today. Jochebed, what a great woman. What a great woman of God. What about Abijah? I know that's the second one you would have said. After Jochebed, Abijah would have been the next one. I know it would. If you turn to Second Chronicles 28, please. Or Abijah. Abijah. Say it with enough confidence. Everyone just nods along. Abijah. Second Chronicles 28. If anybody's been see, uh, has seen the Bryn Jones uh, DVD that we've been showing in the life group, you'll be familiar with this story. And um, Abijah is the mother of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah is one of the kings of Judah. Now, she was a good mum, but maybe didn't do ch- so well in... My, maybe she probably didn't get to choose her husband, to be fair to her. Because Ahaz, her husband, is the most wicked king Judah ever had. The most godless king you could imagine. And his influence, you know, we think about a father's influence on their children. It's great, and, and dads have a huge responsibility, but this is Mother's Day, so we're focusing on mums this morning. And Ahaz is an evil king, and you read Second Chronicles 28, and it's like his wickedness knows no bounds. He's, it's a dark time for the nation, and he's a terrible leader, and he's got all sorts of issues and problems. And then when we get to... Um, Second Chronicles 29, it says this, Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became the king of Judah, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother was Abijah, and his, uh, the daughter of Zechariah. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. The influence of his mother, I believe, changed and transformed him from what he could have been to what he was. 
Common sense says, well, he would have been a bad king or even a a worse king. But I believe the influence of his mother made him a godly king. Made him a king who trusted God. Made him a king who relied on the prophets. Her, Abijah's father, was a prophet. She understood the importance of of prophetic word, of listening to the word of God, of, of pursuing God. And she invested those things into her son so that he wasn't like his evil father. And again, the influence of a mother is great. It's fantastic. It's powerful. And you read about Hezekiah's life and the way that he restores the nation and he re-establishes the temple and the nation becomes great again under his reign because of the influence of a fantastic godly mum. And then let's go to the New Testament. Lois and Eunice and Timothy. 2 Timothy 1. Second Timothy 1, verse 5. Timothy was a leader in the church in Ephesus. And he was Paul, the Apostle Paul's right-hand man. He went to different places on behalf of, of Paul. He had a very powerful and, and important ministry. But Paul recognizes what's at the root of this. What's at the heart of Timothy being such a solid, faithful man of God? He says this in 1 Timothy 2. It, 2 Timothy 1.5, sorry. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. Isn't that fantastic? Your grandmother, strong in faith, made your mum strong in faith. And she has made you strong in faith. That echo, that seed that was sown, that was passed down. From mother to daughter, from daughter to son. And then 2 Timothy 3. Roger read from this scripture last week when he talked about the word of God and what the word of God is. is. But just before we get to the part where it talks about scripture being God-breathed or inspired by God. In verse 14 he says of, of 2 Timothy 3. You must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. You know that they're true. For you can trust those who taught you. Who has taught him? He goes on to say, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. And they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. The investment of faith, the investment of wisdom, the investment of the word that came through these amazing women, these ladies of faith. Through Lois to Eunice, through Eunice to Timothy. And then as David has already touched on this morning, Mary and her influence on Jesus. You know, sometimes we think almost like Jesus grew up in a bubble or a vacuum and his parents weren't involved. Of course they were. When it says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favour, it was because he had a relationship with his heavenly father, but it was because of the investment of his parents. Mary instilled into him truth. She taught him how to be a a good, faithful man, a man of God, and enabled him to grow. He He grew because she fed him. He grew physically because she fed him. He grew in stature because she she was there to help him in his growing. He was she was she nurtured him, she cared for him, she loved him, she treasured what he did in her heart. She lost him for three days, but she found him. There's a story of Susanna Wesley, um, the the mother of John and Charles Wesley. David mentioned it to me uh, just a few days ago. She had 19 children but lost nine. Nine of them. 
you know, an incredible thing to lose nine children. But the ten that she um, was able to care for and, and keep, she would spend time with each one of them every week, create time to be with them one-to-one so that she could, they could come to her with her any doubts or questions or challenges and she would open the word to them. She wrote devotional, um, biblical devotions for her children. She prayed with them regularly. She encouraged them. And out of her ministry and her care, John Wesley, the great theologian who founded the Methodist Church, and Charles Wesley, a great theologian and hymn writer extraordinaire. We wouldn't have Hark the Herald Angels Sing if it wasn't for him. But both of them saw revival in America and, and thousands, if not millions of people saved by the preaching of the gospel because of the faithfulness of their mother who invested in them. And the echoes of the things that she said to them would have echoed from them, from the pulpit, into the lives and hearts of many people. The seed that was sown into them was sown into others. And there's just very, three very quick things I want to say about all of these ladies, about how mums are so wonderful in producing a good echo. Firstly, I want to say this. Mums tell their children who God is. Mums tell their children who God is. In 2 Timothy uh, 3, we, we've, we've already read it, Paul writes and he says, You know the word that was taught you. You can trust those who taught you. They, they, it was the mother's role, the, grand, the grandmother's role. They taught Timothy everything about God. They knew what God, he knew what God was like because of the teaching that they put into him and instilled into him. I know for me personally... There, were, there have been times and things that are in me because they're a result of my mother and my parents investing the truth of who God is into me. There's a Yiddish proverb that says, God couldn't be everywhere, so he invented mothers. And we know that's not true because God is everywhere. But God invests into our mums and mums investing into their children to tell them what God is like. In 1 Thessalonians 2.7, Paul says, We prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Having so fond an affection for you, we were pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. Paul says we invested the gospel, but we also invested our lives. I want to say this about godly mothers. Godly mothers always invest their lives, but please also make sure that you invest the gospel, the truth of who God is. If any person has the right to impart the truth of who God is, it's a mother to her child. In the way that they lay their lives down and care, a child will receive that from a mum in a way that, where they can trust him. As Paul says, you've trusted those who've taught you from the very beginning. To tell our children of who God is, to talk about his goodness, to make sure that when we're together, we give thanks to Jesus for things. When God answers prayers, we're quick to acknowledge God's provision for us. To understand that when, if fears come, or if sickness tries to attack, that we challenge them with a faith about who God is and who Jesus is. That the mother is the first that a child will run to when they're feeling sick or scared. Mothers and godly mothers tell them who God is. Don't just brush them aside glibly with a response, but, uh, but inform them about the goodness and the greatness and the love of God. Secondly, this, godly mothers tell their testimony of the stories God has done for them. I was reading in um, Matthew recently, if you turn to uh, Matthew nineteen twenty six, please. And this is also repeated in Mark 10. Matthew, 29, 26, uh, Matthew 19, 26. Matthew 
Jesus is talking to, the, to um, a group of people, and he says this, Humanly speaking, it is impossible, talking about a rich man coming into the kingdom of God. But with God, everything is possible. With God, everything is possible. That's a powerful statement, isn't it? And as I read that, I was reminded of what the angel said to Mary when she was, going to, when she was told she was going to conceive Jesus. If you turn to Luke 1, 37. The angel is telling Mary, as David's already said, she asks, how will this be? Then the angel says, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you, the power of the, of the Most High will, um, will overshadow you and overcome you. And then in verse 37, the angel says this, for nothing is impossible with God. I just thought, I wonder how many times Jesus heard that phrase from his mum. I wonder how many times she told him the story of when the angel came to tell her about how she was going to give birth to him. And the plans, and, 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 and how great he was going to be, and how the angel had said those words to her. Nothing is impossible with God. How maybe there were challenges of finances, or challenges of, of what was around the corner. They, they'd flee to Egypt, and they were kind of escaping potential persecution. But time and again, the words that he'd hear from his mum, nothing is impossible with God. So that when Jesus stands up in front of a crowd, he says, with God, nothing is impossible. Those words that echoed from the angel to his mother, from his mother to Jesus, from Jesus out. Of course he knew his heavenly father, of course that was his resource, but I believe so much was invested into him as well from his mother, Mary. And that phrase really leapt out at me. Nothing is impossible with God. You know, our mums... Let your children hear your testimonies of God's provision for you. Let your children hear the stories of how God has answered prayers, particularly in their own lives. Think of times where we've not known what to do next about potty training. Or Elijah was latched onto his dummy. And we prayed about it. And Sarah went to God and asked for wisdom. And and the next day read something that was sort of three or four or five options. And she knew exactly which one to do. And within two days, it was gone. And it was an answer to prayer. It was the wisdom that God gave us at that time. And we want to tell our children of the way that we prayed for them and God answered our prayers. Of when there was a need and God provided for us. So that we can say to our children, with God nothing is impossible. So they go through life believing, with God nothing is impossible. It's true. And mums, you're in that wonderful position to express the provision of God. The power of God in your life and in their lives as well. We tell them who God is. We tell them what God has done for us. And lastly, we tell them who they are in Christ. As I said earlier, Jochebed, it was clear Moses knew who he was. He knew his identity. Lois and Eunice, the investment that they put into each other, they knew who they were. The faith that they had. Our children will grow up and people will try and put labels on them. They might say, well, this child is dyslexic, or this child has problems with their attention, or this child is is very clever, um, or, you know, all sorts of different things. But we can speak the truth of God's word over our children. Whether the label is positive or negative, mothers are so wonderful at being able to express the heart of God to their children. That we don't label our children as the naughty one. Or the noisy one even at times. But actually we just speak the truth of God's word over them. I'm so blessed 
that God I had words of faith spoken over me as a child. That we say who God says they are. That mothers choose to build up as they do. To choose to talk about their character more than their appearance. To highlight the good things that they do. To see the aspects of, of their personality and begin to hone them and bring those things out. And recognize them and seeing them serving God in that way. A mum has a greater view of that than any other person. What a wonderful privilege role mothers have in that. You know, how many times I think about this as challenged as a father. How many times I tell my children to brush their teeth or their hair or eat their food. How many times do I tell them who God has made them to be? And how much I love them and how valued they are. Those are the words of investment to put into our children. That the echo is there, that the seed is there. And so it's good to honour mothers. It's great that we have mums here who can tell their children who God is who can tell their children what God has done in their lives, and who can tell their children who they are in Him. With God, nothing is impossible. And I want to commend mothers this morning. We're going to get the children down. We've got a couple of small gifts. They're only ever tokens of our appreciation. But we've got a magazine and a small bag of seed. I was going to be chocolate, but I was advised that seed was a better gift. So maybe next year it'll be chocolate again. I don't know. But if all the mums would stand at the moment, I'd love to pray. And if you're here this morning, to pray for our mums. And, and to acknowledge this morning as well, spiritual mothers in the room. There are ladies in here who have not physically had children, but are mothers to many. In the influence that you have, in the care that you bring, in the way that you model how to pursue God faithfully. And I want to pray this morning that you know strength, that you know provision in every way. If you're here this morning as a mum and you need to see health for your child, I want to pray that that's imparted this morning through your hands and through your words. That where there needs to be a change in situations for your child, that you're able to have the wisdom that's needed to see things change and, and, and altered and affected. And if you're here this morning and you're not a mum and you're, you've got one next to you, just raise your hand towards them, or if you know them well enough, maybe place your hand on their shoulder. But we're going to bless our mums this morning. We're going to instill the blessing of God right now. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the role of mothers. We want to thank you for the influence of godly ladies that we see throughout the word. Lord, we thank you for ladies that saw the provision miraculously of children have been able to conceive, Lord, when it was difficult. Lord, I thank you for mothers that were able to literally save their children from death and destruction. Lord, thank you for mothers that were faithful in investing into their children to reveal to them who you are. Lord, to reveal to them the great things that you've done in their lives and to show them, Lord, who their children are in you. And Lord, we pray for each mother here, Lord. We thank you for them. And we just command a blessing right now. We command a blessing right now, Lord. We say let provision come where it's needed. I pray let every mother here be refreshed this morning by your spirit, Lord. Let every mum here this morning be strengthened. Let every mother know a fresh um, sense of strength and wisdom and insight and care and love and compassion, Lord. Father, we pray let healing flow through their hands to their children. Let strength come in the words that they speak. Lord, let them impart faith into the hearts and lives 
of their children, we pray. Lord, let them be great influencers, Lord, not just of ones and twos, but of dozens and hundreds and thousands, Lord, we pray. Father, we thank you that what you've given them is not just to stay within the home, but Lord, it's to be expressed into the world around us. And so we proclaim blessing in the name of Jesus. We give you thanks for these wonderful ladies, Lord. And we proclaim your blessing in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thanks so much for listening today. For more information about Living Rock Church and for more great teaching, please visit www.livingrockchurch.org.uk. 